Good morning, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. I want to begin in a very different place this morning by reminding you, the listener, that um, Jewish tradition um, holds a springtime holiday called uh, Passover, and Christian tradition holds an equally important holiday in the spring known as Easter. Both traditions have something that takes place 50 days after these uh, special holidays. I want to begin with uh, the Christian perspective and ask the question, what happened at Pentecost, which is 50 days after Easter in the New Testament? Acts 2 describes a miracle. During the festival of Pentecost, Jesus' disciples are given the Holy Spirit, and they begin speaking in tongues. Uh, Are the disciples speaking in human language, or is this an instance of glossolalia in the Bible? Glossolalia, speaking in angelic tongues, is described as a spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians uh, verses 12 through 13, and Webster's Dictionary defines glossolalia as prayer characterized chiefly by incomprehensible speech originating in primitive Christianity and now practiced by Pentecostal groups in ecstatic forms of worship. When the disciples begin speaking in tongues, Acts 2.6 says that the crowd of diaspora Jews who were in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost gathered and were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Fifty days after Easter, The New Testament tells us that there was a festival in which Jews gathered in Jerusalem. What was the nature of that festival? Why were Jews gathering in Jerusalem 50 days after Passover, not after Easter? So let's begin, as we often do on our show, by turning to the Torah. And this morning, I want to turn to Leviticus chapter 23, beginning with verse 9. V'yadaber Adonai el Moshe le'mor, daber el b'nei Yisrael v'amarta alehem. God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the Israelite people and say to them, When you enter the land that I am giving to you and reap its harvest, You shall bring the first sheaf of your harvest to the priest. He shall elevate the sheaf before the Lord for acceptance in your behalf. The priest shall elevate it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day that you elevate the sheaf, you shall offer as a burnt offering to God a lamb of the first year without blemish. The meal offering with it shall be two-tenths of a measure of choice flour with oil mixed in. 
And from the day on which you bring the sheaf of elevation offering, the day after the Sabbath, you shall count off seven weeks. They must be complete. You must count until the day after the seventh week, 50 days. Then you shall bring an offering of new grain to God. You shall bring from your settlements two loaves of bread as an elevation offering. Each shall be made of two-tenths of a measure of choice flour baked after leavening. With the bread you shall present as burnt offerings. And the last section of this from Leviticus verse 21, on that same day you shall hold a celebration. It shall be a sacred occasion for you. You shall not work at your occupations. This is a law for all time and all your settlements throughout the years. Well, the text Leviticus describes what has become known as the holiday of Shavuot. And what should become immediately clear is that it is linked to the grain offering, known in Hebrew as the Omer, in the land of Israel. After counting seven weeks, 49 days, an offering of new grain is brought. This offering, as you heard from the text, consists of two loaves of bread from choice flour along with several animals. The day is a holiday and sacred occasion. The fact that the holiday comes at the termination of a period of seven weeks accounts for the name Shavuot, weeks. The counting, according to the Torah text, which I've just shared with you, is purely pragmatic. It serves to establish the day upon which the holiday will be observed, namely on the 50th day. The verses... Chapter 23, verses 15 through 16, serve as the basis for the biblical commandment of counting these days, referred to in later sections of the Bible and today as counting the Omer. Traditionally, each day during this period, a blessing is said and the day is counted. What then is the significance of this holiday? From the text that I've shared with you, it appears it is primarily, if not exclusively, an agricultural festival. The seven-day period begins with an offering of the first sheaf of your harvest and concludes with an offering of new grain. These two occasions mark the harvest season in the land of Israel. The earliest harvest is the barley harvest, which begins in the early spring around the Passover holiday. And the season ends with the ripening of the wheat from which choice flour, in the biblical term, is obtained. The period of seven days from the day after the Sabbath, it's unknown in the biblical text with whether this refers to a Sunday or the day after Passover, which is a type of Sabbath, is probably a counting of the days in the harvest festival from the barley harvest until the wheat harvest. The counting signifies that until seven weeks have passed, it is not known whether the harvest will be successful and plentiful enough. Thus, the Shavuot holiday represents the deep connection between the Jewish people, their national homeland, Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, and God. God gave the Jews the land which was bountiful as the text tells us, flowing with milk and honey, 
and through its cultivation could provide generously and abundantly for the Jews dwelling there. In fact, in biblical times, the Jews earned their living primarily through the land. So a harvest, a good harvest, was critical. A successful harvest was the key to economic success and well-being, whereas a poor harvest spelled hardship and often economic ruin. By requiring the Jews to bring offerings from the first grains at the beginning of the harvest and at its conclusion, the Torah is forcing the people to acknowledge God's hand in nature and is instilling them a sense of appreciation to God for the blessing of a successful harvest. Let me share with you one other biblical verse. This is from Exodus 23, verse 16. Somewhat different response. And the feast of the harvest, or first fruits of your work, of what you sow in the field, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you gather in the results of your work from the field, three times a year, all your mail shall be appear before the sovereign God. And then... Also in Exodus 34, we read the following about the same festival. You shall observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the turn of the year three times a year. All your males shall appear the sovereign of your God. In Exodus, the Torah refers to the feast of harvest as one of the three pilgrimage festivals not mentioned in Leviticus. Considering that the other two festivals mentioned in this context are the Feast of Unleavened Bread Passover and the Feast of Ingathering Sukkot or Booths, the Torah must be referring to Shavuot without mentioning the name. If so, the title of the holiday here in Exodus, Chag HaKatsir, the Feast of Harvest is clear testimony to the agricultural nature of the day. That Shavuot is an agricultural festival is explicit in Exodus chapter 34. There it is called Chag Shavuot, Feast of Weeks, and it explains that it is called so because it marks the occasion of the first fruit of the wheat harvest. Now I've shared with you these biblical citations to give you a sense of what the Jews of the diaspora were doing in Jerusalem at the end of Pentecost. The diaspora Jews, it says in Acts 2.6, who were in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost, they were gathered and bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their native land. So it would appear that in the time of Acts, the Jews had certainly maintained the festival of Shavuot, the ingathering. But what is most interesting to us is that today, Jews living in the diaspora rarely celebrate the festival as an ingathering of the harvest. 
It's not so much that they ignore what the Torah has said, but rather they has massaged the meaning of the festival to take into account their ever-changing situation of living outside the land of Israel. This is certainly a powerful religious moment, and I want to share with you parts of this transition. I'm going to read to you a uh, document or a part of a document from Pesicta Zotarta. This is a midrash written in the 11th century, but clearly reflects an earlier tradition. It quotes from Leviticus 23, which I've read to you. You shall declare a holy assembly on this very day. So this rabbi, Tovia ben Eliezer Hagadol, wants to make a comment on Leviticus 23, which you, the listener, now know refers to Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks of Ingathering. He writes, This refers to the 50th day, the day the people of Israel stood before Mount Sinai to receive the Torah. Our ancestors received the Torah 50 days after leaving the land of Egypt, and therefore the festival of the first fruits falls 50 days after the first day of Passover. Not specifically mentioned in the Torah, this is. The people of Israel are thus referred to as first fruits. As in the verse from Hosea, I found Israel as pleasing as grapes in the wilderness. Your father seemed to me like first fig to ripen on a fig tree. Similarly, the verse states, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the others. Just as the apple tree produces its fruit 50 days after blossoming, so the people of Israel received the Torah 50 days after leaving the land of Egypt. Homiletics, rabbinic homiletics at its best. This midrash offers an approach to Shavuot that is radically different from that which is mentioned in the Torah. Although the simple reading of the biblical text that I've shared with you indicates that the holiday is agriculture, this rabbinic text argues that Shavuot marks the day on which the Jews receive the Torah. The 50 days represents the time that elapsed from the day after Exodus to the time of the giving the Torah. In the Torah, Bikurim, first fruits, are mentioned in the context of Shavuot in Exodus 34, which I read to you, and in Numbers 28-26. This rabbinic interpretation sees the phrase metaphorically. The first fruits is the Jewish people. Just as an apple produces 50 days after it blossoms, whether that is true agriculturally is not relevant for the purpose of the rabbinic commentator. So the people received the Torah 50 days after they blossomed in the Exodus. 
Thus, Shavuot was transformed from a purely agricultural holiday to one that also commemorates the giving of the Torah. But why did the rabbis find it necessary to change the meaning of the festival? The most likely answer that is that in the absence of sacrificial worship after the destruction of the temple in 70, and because the Jews were not able to cultivate the land after being exiled from it, the rabbis feared the holiday would disappear completely. In order to protect it from total extinction, they invested it with new meaning that would have relevance for Jews in all generations wherever they lived. Now, this new interpretation of Shavuot is consistent with the efforts of the ancient rabbis to emphasize the centrality of Torah as opposed to the sanctuary in Jerusalem in all aspects of life. Neither the loss of the temple nor exile from the land spelled the end of Judaism. The study and fulfillment of Torah were to be the key to achieving spiritual heights, While the rabbis never despaired of the eventual return to the land of Egypt, Israel, and the restoration of the temple and sacrificial worship, they believed that Judaism would remain a vibrant and dynamic religion independent of both the land and the temple. Thus, the interpretation of Shavuot serves as an emphatic statement by the rabbis of the centrality and viability of the Torah in the absence of the land and the temple, and even the agricultural laws associated with it. One Shavuot is understood as a celebration of the revelation on Mount Sinai. One should ask, what aspect of the event are we celebrating? Is it the giving of the Torah, which suggests our appreciation to God for providing us with moral and religious code? Or is it the acceptance of the Torah, which is more of a statement about the character of the Jewish people than it is about God? A text that I shared with you from the rabbi, the Midrash seems to place the emphasis on the receiving of the Torah. The Midrash extols the Jewish people who are compared to the first fruit. The emphasis is on their receiving the Torah 50 days after Exodus. Their willingness to accept the Torah is no small matter. After all, the Jews had just spent several generations following laws imposed on them by their Egyptian masters, with no freedom to choose to live as they wished. When God finally granted them their freedom from slavery, it would seem a most inopportune time to offer them a whole series of new laws. It is, according to Jewish tradition, the credit of the Jewish people that they recognize the fundamental difference between laws imposed by human masters, which tend to be degrading and humiliating, and laws imposed by God, which are uplifting and ennobling and affirm the dignity and worth of human beings. Their unequivocal acceptance of the Torah in their statement at Mount Sinai, we will do, 
is legitim- is legendary. It might be considered one of the great moments in Jewish history. Well, you can see that as the rabbis helped to transform a purely religious holiday of agricultural importance into a holiday of spiritual importance that resonates with the notion of Pentecost. Pentecost is not simply the counting of 50 days, which the early Christians would have known from the Jews from whom they grew up, but Christianity transformed that 50 days into a very powerful spiritual moment. So to the rabbis. Now, as you may have heard, counting the 50 days becomes part and parcel of the day of Shavuot. And the holiday of Shavuot is the only one in the Hebrew calendar, the only one in the pantheon of Jewish festivals without a specific date associated with it. Leviticus 23 tells us on the day after the Sabbath, we begin counting. So whatever day Passover occurs on, or however we understand the Sabbath, that would give us the date of this holiday. The rabbis of ancient memory didn't understand what the Torah meant by Sabbath. Did it refer to the Sabbath of Genesis, or did it have to do with 50 days after Passover, which because of the rules of Passover might be seen as a day of rest? So they understood and reinterpreted the word Sabbath to refer to the day after the festival. In Deuteronomy, we are told that you count seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the stand in grain. This implies that the date of the Shavuot holiday celebration depends on the harvest season, which varies from year to year and from region to region. The text in Leviticus is a bit more perplexing. We are instructed to count 50 days from the day after the Sabbath. Does this imply a particular date? If the Sabbath refers to Sabbath, then again, the date of Shavuot will vary from year to year, but it will always fall on a Sunday. This was the view of the Sadducees, a Jewish religious sect during the final two centuries of the Second Temple period. They were involved in a number of legal controversies with the representatives of rabbinic Judaism, the Pharisees, well-mentioned and well-known from the New Testament. The Pharisaic tradition interprets Shabbat not as a reference to Shabbat, but to the festival of Passover. Thus, the date of Shavuot is fixed. It always falls on the 50th day after the first day of Passover. While this dispute sounds rather technical, it is of great importance in terms of the rabbinic approach to transforming the meaning of the holiday. 
If the date of Shavuot is linked so closely to the onset of the holiday of Passover, then an important philosophical connection can be drawn between the two holidays. And I want to now share with you a much later text than the rabbis, which gives us a sense of this connection. According to the straightforward meaning, the purpose of counting is to indicate that the essence of the people of Israel is Torah, and it was for the sake of the Torah that heaven and earth and Israel were created. For the Torah we were redeemed from Egypt in order to receive it at Mount Sinai and fulfill it. The receiving of the Torah was of greater consequence to them than the exodus from slavery, because the Torah is the essence of Israel, and for it they were redeemed and elevated to greatness. We were commanded to commence counting from the day after the first day of Passover until the day of the giving of the Torah. This demonstrates our great desire to reach that awesome day, for we desire it as eagerly eagerly as the slave desires to sit in the shade, according to Job. Therefore, we keep a constant count to mark when the desired time of freedom will come, because keeping count of a time is an indication of a person's longing and hope to reach that particular time. If Shavuot, then, is primarily a celebration of the Torah, and the date is determined by the date of Pesach, then Pesach and Shavuot can be linked philosophically. Passover represents our improved physical condition, freedom instead of slavery, and Shavuot represents our improved spiritual condition, receiving the Torah. Sefer HaChinuch, which I just read to you, explains that the Exodus, which is marked by Passover, was not the end in and of itself. Rather, God freed us so that we could enter into a covenantal relationship with God via the acceptance and fulfillment of the Torah. That is why we are commanded to count 50 days from Passover to Shavuot. This counting is commonly referred to as Svirata Omer, the counting of the Omer, and is the reflection of anticipation and yearning. By counting from Passover to Shavuot, we express our yearning for the Torah, which infused our newly acquired freedom with meaning. By counting, we state unequivocally that freedom without substance without Torah isn't freedom at all. It is a beautiful transition. It is the most important day of the year when the Jews transform themselves from a people who are known for slavery to a covenantal people. This process that I've described to you this process of transforming ourselves from purely an agricultural people to a people of covenantal relationship that can carry us throughout the diaspora is the meaning of Shavuot today. And of course, as a commemoration of Revelation, it leads to a great many questions about what is Revelation And how do we as Jews understand 
the revealed Word of God. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can hear a read broadcast of this morning's show on iTunes as a podcast or on the CHRI website. Shalom and have a good day. Behold.